0: Chapter 87 Al-A'la The Most High O Prophet, glorify the name of your Lord, the Most High and Exalted. The chapter opens by praising and glorifying Tasbih, the Exalted, A'la, Lord. The Quran mentions praise and glorification of the Lord twice, but each time from a different perspective one is in the context of the magnificent lord rabbika Adim, whereas here the context is that of the most high and exalted lord rabbika Allah. note that we are not commanded to praise and glorify allah god but to praise and glorify the rabb lord allah is the name of God, the one whom humans worship, whereas Lord, a term that is employed many times in the Quran, symbolizes his aspects of manager, planner, and master. This verse says, Glorify the name Ism of your Lord. The attributes that the Quran ascribes to specific names are consequential and, as such, we must reflect upon their meaning. We may derive this conclusion that when glorifying God, we have to remind ourselves that we are praising and sanctifying the special and unique attribute that makes Him the Most High and Exalted. The exegetes translate sabbih as transcendent, infallible, and without deficiency, to indicate that God's lordship is perfect and thus his creation contains no deficiency or error therefore humans should glorify him and testify that he has no imperfections now it informs us where we can see the lord's grandeur and magnificence who created then fashioned it well in due proportion praise and sanctify the lord who created the creation, خلق, and then fashioned it in due proportion, sawwa The particle fa that precedes sawwa duly proportioned, denotes that every item is positioned in its proper place after its creation. Who destined according to measure, then guided. The word قدر points to quantity and measure. Humans are created from an individual cell that multiplies according to a predestined and exact process. Each organ has a precise number of cells allocated to it, such that even a small variance in its number would disturb the whole order of the body. The word fahada denotes guidance. A guidance that is all-encompassing because he guides all his members of his creation, not just humanity. Creation is a step-by-step process that begins by manifesting existence from non-existence. Finding its own fitting place and rank, sawwa, as well as its own quantity and measure, قدر, and ending with guidance, huda. There are infinite examples of the Lord's guidance in nature. From marine mammals living a few miles under the ocean's surface in abject darkness, to bees that frolic in orchards pollinating different fruit trees based on their flowers' colours, to dogs' incredibly powerful sense of smell that can detect odours and memorise scents in their brain and distinguish them even years later. These amazing phenomena demonstrate that all creatures, regardless of size, are guided, hidayah, to play their proper role in nature. And God clearly has bestowed upon all creatures the necessary faculties to survive. Who has brought forth the green pasture? This is the chapter's third use of relative pronoun, al Which? The triple usage denotes three fundamentals, namely radical monotheism, prophethood, and the day of resurrection. The first relative clause, after al-Lethi, points out the singularity of creation, which reflects God's oneness. The second, al-Lethi, sheds light on the fact that divine guidance is prevalent in nature and that every creation is in need of it. Finally, the third, which is found in this verse, is a reminder, and a warning, of the truth of the day of resurrection. It reminds us that the same divine power who created us from dust will bring us back from dust, then turned it into dark-colored waste. As one season begins to end... A plant that was once green, fragrant, and flowery, starts to turn brown and wither away, becoming so light that the wind carries it away. We will teach you to recite, O Muhammad, so that you will not forget. The verses revealed during the first two to three years of his prophetic ministry tended to be short so that he could gradually explain the truth and transform his people, attract them to his message, and lay the foundation of a new paradigm. During this period, he also had to shoulder the weighty and daunting task of his mission, which most of his people opposed. To sustain his optimism and confidence, God informed him that he would soon make him recite or read. Many scholars have interpreted this verse as God informing the prophet that he would soon become literate. But in actuality, God was letting him know that he would soon be endowed with profound insight and deep understanding of the signs of his lordship and would be able to read the book of creation. Except what God wills, he certainly knows what is manifest and what is concealed. In conclusion, God informs the prophet that he will soon be able to read and remember everything, unless he wills otherwise. Here, the issue is no longer one of lordship, but one of his will, for God wills that humans become forgetful and frail as they age. Every human being ages within the confines of his law he assures the Prophet that he will forget only that which is not under his control, such as the effects of aging. God alone is privy to all things hidden or manifest, and his knowledge encompasses everything, including the Prophet's aptitude and capability on different issues. We will make the prophetic mission easy for you so that you can enjoy a state of ease. It is human nature to feel the weight and burden of responsibility, as well as the struggle involved when embarking upon a new task. Even prophets go through this phase. After a while though, the challenges subside and the once difficult task moves forward people are truly blessed when they effortlessly accomplish deeds for his cause. On the other hand, those who have not prepared themselves are easily discouraged and find new tasks cumbersome. Now that God has empowered the Prophet and thereby helped him accomplish his daunting mission with greater ease, what does he expect of him? What was his assigned mandate? Therefore, remind and admonish if reminding is beneficial for the hearer. In essence, he was to remind and admonish his people so that they would desire to learn more about the message. The Prophet was not a philosopher sitting in an ivory tower pondering abstract concepts or formulating philosophical arguments. Prophets, however, acquire the highest stage of awareness and insight so that they can return to guide their communities. Those who stand in awe of God and worried of their future destiny will soon be brought to remember. Generally, concerned and worried people are receptive to reminders and admonishments. For example, conscientious students study hard because they worry about their future. Those who worry that the reminders might be on to something will become awakened and more focused as a result. Humans should ponder and reflect upon what kind of life they are preparing for themselves in the hereafter. How can a wise person act nonchalantly and be unconcerned in the face of such earth-shattering news? Those who are not worried about such things have no reason to listen to such advice because they feel completely safe and secure. While the most wretched will turn away. The superlative Ashqa means most deprived. Shaqi is one who has ignored the reminders and moved away from these truths. Saying that they belong to the distant past and have been made irrelevant and worthless by modern technology and science. But by doing so, they deliberately deprive themselves of Islam's ethics, guidance, and a conscientious heart. Who will roast in the greatest fire? Such people inevitably attach themselves to the enormous fire because their conduct has caused this fire to burn them from within. WHEREIN HE WILL NEITHER DIE NOR LIVE They neither live nor die in this internal fire, for it never stops burning. Kindled by God, it rises over the guilty hearts. Chapter 104, verse 6 to 7 This completes the first constituent part of the chapter, The rest is a summation. He who purifies himself will prosper and flourish. The particle Qad is employed for emphasis and certainty. People who live a wholesome life as outlined above will certainly achieve salvation. Every human is born with an internal divine seed and it is incumbent upon each one of us to nurture it To the best of our ability. Our divine seed should not be buried and overwhelmed by attachment to this earthly life. This is why the Quran says that salvation is attained by those who purify their souls by shedding the heavy weight that binds them to the material world. Thus, giving zakat, alms, means giving your share in order to lighten your load and thereby flourish and rise to greater heights. As a result, the purified souls will prosper, aflaha, and transition from darkness to light, from earth to the heavens, and from slumber to wakefulness. So what happens after one is awakened? He remembers The name of his Lord and praise. The first step in the process of awakening is purification, tazkiyya, for this makes one receptive to the reminder and admonishment. The next logical step is to figure out in which direction to go. Quran chapter 83 verse 14 reminds us that our continued misdeeds rust and corrode our heart to such an extent that it can no longer receive divine rays. Thus, we must cleanse and purify it regularly. But you prefer the life of this world. It is truly sad that people prefer this world over the hereafter. The Quran asks why we have become so heavy and cling to earth. Chapter 9, verse 38 so accustomed to this life's trappings and comforts that we can no longer elevate ourselves. We have become content with this lowly and fleeting life and seem to prefer it over the hereafter, even though the hereafter is better and more lasting, eternal. In the vocabulary of the Quran, temporal life is matah, insignificant and the afterlife is khayr, chosen. Khayr, which also means good and blessed, is that which has the quality of allowing one to choose based on free will. Ikhtiyar This is, indeed, in the earlier scrolls, Revelations. Divine scriptures have reminded humans throughout history that only self-purification can awaken them from the ignorance that is preventing them from turning toward God. The Scrolls Revelations of Abraham and Moses Note that Sahf plural of Sahifa does not only mean written pages or scrolls. Prophets Abraham and Moses, along with their scriptures, are mentioned here for the first time. These verses were revealed during the second and third years of the Prophet's mission, and for many Arabs, they were learning about them for the first time. Abraham is considered the first Imam, leader and exemplar, and Moses, the first Prophet to establish a community, Ummah. The former attained the title of Imam over humanity after passing the divine test, Chapter 2, verse 124. However, this differs from the role of a prophet, Nabi, who is a harbinger of the good news. Moses was both a Nabi and a Rasul, for he established the first Ummah based on a crystallized concept of a Sharia.